Hello once again and good Monday. Cougar Nation, we welcome you back inside the beautiful BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah to our temporary second floor set before our return to Studio C in two weeks. This is the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's, the Burger Boys. It was two weeks ago today that BYU opened the 2020 season with a win at Navy. We'll be looking back, back at that game, uh, talking about the postponement of last week's scheduled game at Army, plus previewing Saturday's home opener against Troy with BYU's offensive and special teams coordinators on today's program. We start the show with BYU's OC in his third year with the staff, Coach Jeff Grimes. Hello, Coach. Welcome back. How's it going? It's going okay. Uh, It feels like a little time since we've uh, visited. It does. Too long. For coaches, a game played uh, two weeks ago feels like two months ago because you move on so quickly, right? Um, but this is our really first and only chance to, to look back on Navy uh, with the win before we look ahead. But, of course, between last game and your next game, um, we had the Army game that, uh, that disappeared from the schedule, and that's pretty disappointing and uh, you know, a bit of a shock to the system for the guys at the time, I'm sure. Yeah, for all of us. Uh, I think we just we feel like we've got some momentum and we're headed in the right direction and just want to play. So disappointed that we didn't get to play this past weekend, but looking ahead to a, a great opportunity this Saturday. Now, if we've learned nothing else about 2020, it's that uh, plans are all in pencil <laughs> and not in pen right now. Have you kind of come to that stark realization that that's the way this is going to be? I guess so. Um, but, you know, as a coach, you're always just looking forward to your next game. And, and sometimes people will ask me, how about this next week or when you play this team or whatever? And I really have no idea what happens beyond the week that we're playing. I often don't even know who we're playing the week after the, the week that we're currently in. And so um, I guess as coaches, we have the ability to compartmentalize a little bit and really focus on the task at hand. Well, you know as well as anyone what BYU uh, had been doing to keep everyone in the program safe and available to play. Then after the Navy game, which kind of went off without a hitch, how did you feel then about the team's ability to not just get through a game but get through a season? I I feel like we've we've done all the right things, and I feel like we're, like I said, I feel like we're headed in the right direction. I feel like um, we're just, you know, this past weekend we fell victim to the same thing that a lot of teams have this year. but I think, I think we're certainly um, ready for the next opportunity. BYU and Army, had they met, would have met as top 25 teams, both of them. I presume you hope that game gets back on the schedule? Yeah, for sure. We want to play as many games as we can and, and uh, certainly look forward to playing a team that's, that's ranked. So uh, no Army game, and the home opener is next, and you're fully focused on Troy. But uh, today's show really is, again, the only chance to look back at that season-opening win over Navy. It's still the only BYU football we have to talk about here yeah. after three weeks. Yeah. And there were a lot of things that were like about how the team played, but the offense in particular very sharp that night. Yeah, I was really pleased with, with the things that I saw um, in terms of readiness for a first game, you know, for us to... Um, not only have the yards that we had and the points that we scored, but a pretty clean game. You know, we had the one turnover, which was kind of a fluke deal. Uh, We had one penalty, which we don't want any penalties like that. But if you come out of a first game and just have one penalty, you know, I think you feel like you're you're headed in the right direction in terms of, of producing the kind of guys who can be consistent and reliable for you. And uh, the Navy win 
makes it to seven straight victories for BYU now when you score a TD on the opening possession. And under Kalani, BYU is now 9-2 with opening drive TDs, 3-0 in, in away games. And, yeah, you took that you took that opening drive in for six in Annapolis, and you were kind of off and running. So just score on the first drive. That's all you have to do. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> we'll see if we can make keep that Keep scoring. Happen. Do keep scoring. But it, it, it t- tends to be a pretty good indicator of where things are going to go for you guys. Yeah, I think it just builds confidence and momentum when you score that first drive. It tells you that, okay, this, this game plan's on, and, and we're feeling ready to go. Uh, defense was putting you in great spots most of the night, too, wasn't it? For sure. And I just felt like it was a, a tremendous team win. You know, offense, defense, special teams all contributed. And, you know, one of, one of my favorite moments of the game, believe it or not, came after our biggest flaw. When we threw the interception, our defense goes out there, plays with confidence, stops them, and then we go out there and then we come back and score. And so I just felt like um, our defense had our back right there when we made a mistake. And I felt like throughout the game, I felt like there were defensive players encouraging offensive players and vice versa. And I, I think, I think our, um, our camaraderie on the team is better than it has been. So I, I feel like um, that team win means something. Included that in that sequence you just referenced was a strip TFL, put them back so they really couldn't be in scoring territory, and it was a, it got momentum back for you guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I like the fact that the, the first two drives saw both of your running backs score on, on long touchdown runs. Uh, it was first uh, a Tyler, and then you had uh, Lopini, and uh, we're going to take a little bit of a, a closer look at the Lopini-Katoa touchdown run, I think. And um, it was just a sense of, uh, well, good vision, but a nice big hole to run through. Yeah, so this is kind of our um, our trademark play, the wide zone play. Um, and so you see the linemen, everybody's running on the track, and they, they handle the Navy defense stemming, and we, we caught them in blitzes a couple of times, and the offensive line handled it, and the tight ends handled it. You know, on this particular play, you see the hole that presented itself between, between Clark Barrington at left guard and Brady at left tackle, and, you know, those two guys did a good job just – owning their gaps and owning their people and the backs I felt like did a great job playing with vision and and making violent aggressive cuts and and getting north and south when it was time to I mentioned the game was two weeks ago today as we're watching these highlights does it feel like a long time ago yeah. or it- <laughs> yeah, a real long time ago you know and as coaches we always preach to our players you know you have the next day we come back on Monday and we review the game and then after that I always say the game is and I make all them say over it's over it doesn't mean anything and then we literally never talk about it again um, other than this moment right here. after today for us that Navy game will be over Over, okay Uh, so it was 14 nothing after one quarter and you put up 17 in in the next quarter you scored on every possession of the second Katoa touchdown old Royd field goal Katoa touchdown again so a hat trick for Lopini you guys are up 31 nothing uh going into the halftime locker room uh openers are kind of crapshoots you know you never know quite what you're going to get I got to think going into the locker room back in Annapolis, you were thinking, man, if we could have just drawn this up, this is exactly the guy, the way I wanted to see our guys play. Yeah, and really surprising that we were able to move the ball with, with such efficiency. Um, I got a lot of respect for Navy, and, and obviously they had not had the same opportunities that, that we had to, to be ready for the game, but we were ready and we did our job and, and was pleased that we were able to come out of it the way that we did. But certainly at halftime, felt very confident. Uh, speaking of halftimes, uh, Navy found itself down 24 nothing at halftime uh, against Tulane this past Saturday. So there they are sitting there going, we just lost 55-3. 
We're down 24 zip. What do we have here? And they come back and win that game. I know. I know a couple of the guys on their on their staff, and I texted with them after the game and said congratulations. And I said it, it just took you six quarters to remember <laughs> how to play. And I asked them what happened at halftime, and they said really nothing. We just encouraged our guys to keep playing hard. And you know, the game of football is so much about momentum. You know, they got a little momentum in the third quarter, and then came back. So I was happy to see those guys bounce back. Game-winning field goal at the end, and for game number two, uh, early in an unusual season, that was quite the celebration. They, they needed that. They yeah. needed to, to feel that way after that one. Yeah. Good for them. All right, uh, fans, you can go inside the BYU football program every week with an entertaining hour of interviews and features on BYU football with Kalani Sitake. Tuesdays, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Right after this, Coach Grimes recognizing his offensive players of the week from the Navy game. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We are brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. Wilson under center. The snap, the turn handoff to Algier. A hold to the left. Tyler near side, 25-20. The 15, the 10, the 5, the dive, the touchdown! Tyler Algier from 34 yards out. All right, uh, BYU 1-0 on the season after a 55-3 season opening win at Navy two weeks ago today. The Cougars now 18th in the AP poll, 23rd in the coaches poll. We're back on the coordinator's corner with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb coming up in our second half hour. BYU's defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki returns on next week's program. Wrapping up our look at uh, last week's or two weeks ago, big win in Annapolis. 31-point first half followed by a 24-point second half. And it kind of turned into a, a showcase of sorts, Coach, for a receiver, Gunnar Romney. Three catches for 121 after halftime. And those three catches came in a space of six snaps. <laughs> yeah, you know, Gunnar Gunner's a guy that, that we have always felt like had big playability. And, you know, in the previous two years has been has been injured a fair amount. And then last year um, played some and certainly showed flashes of what he could do. Um, But I felt like this was was that game that we felt like we all knew that he could have. And so he's got that big play potential and was really pleased to see the way that he came up big for us and really handled the screen well. Right. Yeah, he's, you know, for a guy that's that's kind of a taller, long, striding type guy, he does a nice job being able to change direction, and he's just, he's a good all-around athlete. And that uh, that ball that uh, Zach kind of threw up to, I mean, there's a couple defenders around, he had to go up and get it and use his length to do that. Yeah, for sure. He, he's he got that potential. He's got long speed, and he's got he's got great height and length, and he can high point the ball and, and come down with it, so hopefully that was just... Uh, a preview of many more things to come. It seems like uh, Gunnar Romney, who uh, who feels in full health, can be a real important weapon for you. I think so. You know, in the, in the years that I think BYU has been at its best, they had maybe a good core of receivers, but there was at least one guy who could take the top off the defense and be that deep threat, and we feel like he can do that for sure. Austin Colley, Mitch Matthews, Cody Hoffman, whoever it is, there's a guy. Right. Okay. Well, uh, the blowout nature of the win at Navy meant uh, that BYU got to play a lot of guys, including an entire second offensive line unit. And whether it was the ones or the twos, you guys were really uh, owning uh, the line against Navy. I thought it was impressive to see really an entire switch out, and it looked like the same kind of performance. Yeah, it's, it's always a great opportunity when you allow those young guys to get out there and actually actually play. And so we were we were pleased that they had the opportunity, um, but also pleased that we were still able to move the ball. You know, a lot of times you wind up in that situation and you find yourself as a coaching staff just 
more frustrated than anything the fourth quarter of the game because you're going three and out and putting your defense right back out there, but that wasn't the case. And, and you can go tempo when you need to, but that wasn't a game where you were going to have to do it. You got a nice lead, um, and you were able to score a lot of points without having to run a lot of plays. Yeah, it, it, when you're able to make first down so frequently, yeah. then you're right. You really don't have to play any faster than what we did. And, you know, those big plays um, certainly put you in position where you can you, – the whole, the whole call sheet is open to you, so to speak. Good number of explosives for you on the night too, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, Penalties uh, and, and wins or losses, we know they're not really strongly correlated, but you hit it earlier, um, one penalty. It had been 10 years since BYU played a game with only five penalty yards, and you overcame uh, a single. Uh, it was a tight end false start to score a touchdown on that drive, by the way, as well, so it didn't hamper you there. You played really clean, zero false starts um, from the line, the interior, and no holding calls on that line. Yeah, I, like I said, I just felt like it was, it was uh, the type of first game that would say we're further ahead as an offense than we have been in the past. If you look at first games often, and you, you saw it not only in the first week of college football, but the first week of NFL games as well. Just a lot of sloppy play and a lot of um, offenses that weren't quite in sync. And so... Um, I think that speaks to a couple of things. It speaks to the experience that we have. A lot of guys coming back that have played a lot of football. And then, uh, and then also to the work that our guys have done leading up to this point. So really pleased with where we are right now. Since you mentioned the in-sync nature of things, it'll be 19 days between games for you now. Um, the, the, the component of keeping things sharp, how, how top of mind is that for you right now? Yeah, very, very <laughs> at the forefront of my mind for sure, especially after last week not being able to play a game and having to change the nature of how we practiced a little bit, um, working more in small groups rather than full practice. Um, uh, so this week will be critical for us to get our, our timing back to where we'd like to see it. Okay. Uh, one of the only real downers coming out of the, the win at Navy was the season-ending injury, it appears, suffered by Jackson McChesney. Um, can you give us an idea of running back depth uh, behind Lopini Katoa and Tyler Algier right now? Yeah, certainly. Um, we're, we're, we find ourselves early in the season in a position that we've been in the past yeah. two years with running backs banged up. And, and, you know, it started with losing Hinkley in fall camp and then, and then Jackson in this game. Um, so, you know, we feel really good about the first two guys, obviously. Um, we do have some other guys on the team that we feel like can play there. Uh, Kavika um, is a guy that's played running back before, and we feel like he can do that. Uh, Sione will be coming back from injury in another two or three weeks, um, if not sooner. Mm. And so once he's back, then we'll, f- we'll feel like we've got another guy that has yeah. experience and game-breaking ability. Um, and then we've got some other guys that we're taking a look at, some of the guys that are, that are here, as well as Miles Davis, who can pl- who's a kind of an all-around athlete that can play a number of different things. So we're working on building our depth. Well, the Sione development uh, is big because he's been kind of out of sight, out of mind, but he is on pace to get back, and that, that, that's a game changer, I think, yeah, back it, there. It, we'll feel a lot, a lot differently once we have him back. Uh, BYU was a, was a good third down team last season, but third and shorts were a challenge at times, as you've talked about. You wanted more of them and then be a little more efficient at converting them. In particular, third and two um, was, was a hurdle last year. It happened less than – well, they're actually kind of rare. Third and twos, you, you got to less than once a game last year. You had four third and twos at Navy and converted them all. And so, as it turns out, you had more third and two conversions in one game than BYU had all of last season. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. But it is something that we put a lot of emphasis on. We spent a lot of time um, 
as coaches, really working on developing our third down offense, particularly our short yardage and goal line offense, and I think it paid off in this game. And the third and two conversions, they were all rushes, by the way. You felt like you had a formula that could work, and you ran your guys uh, effectively. Yeah, we felt, we felt confident that we could run the ball and make what we needed to in those situations. Exactly what happened. Lots of candidates for offensive players of the game at Navy, the way it turned out. But when you've got a pair of backs combining for more than 200 rushing yards and five scores, I think your attention's drawn to the backfield a little bit. Yeah, it was, and we talked about a number of different guys because there certainly were others who were deserving. Uh, but these two guys, I felt like they've just, you know, they've been workhorses for us all fall camp, and really, I felt like this game was evidence of the work that they've put in over the past five or six weeks. Just really, really working to develop themselves as total players, uh, to read plays the right way, to get their tracks exactly right, to to run physical and downhill and. And, uh, and they blocked well and, and were good out of the backfield, as you see Peeney right here scoring a touchdown on a pass as well. And so I really felt like they were all purpose backs in this game and really pleased with how they did all, their, all the things they needed to do. Whether it was Devontae Henry Cole coming in for a bit or Hinkley joining the program, how much did these guys take upon that, not only a pursuit of depth by coaches, but also a challenge for competition to make sure that we get the very best guys out on the field in that backfield? Yeah, I feel like both of those guys have had the right approach all along, and that's why they are right now where they are. I think they've said, you know what, you can, you can bring in anybody that you want to compete, and that'll be great because the cream will rise to the top, and those two certainly have. You have to go back and remember that uh, Tyler played all of three games at running back last year. He was a linebacker for most of last season. Yeah. And, you know, what he's done has really been remarkable. He's, he's leaner, stronger, and faster than he's ever been, and it shows on the field. And you, 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 you said a few moments ago, we're kind of back where we were when it comes to running back depth. And the, inj- the injury thing has got to, I mean, at some point, you've got to wonder when they're going to stop, right? I'm going to say we're done. We're, <laughs> we've run our course, and now we're going to stay healthy. That's Let, what I'm going to say. Let's go with that. As right. we go to break, a reminder that the dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, now open in Harriman. Coverage of BYU and Troy begins Saturday at 6.15 p.m. Mountain Time. That'll be on Cougar Pregame Live on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, and the BYU Radio app. Coming up next, a look ahead to Saturday's game and questions for Coach Grimes as we wrap up our first half hour of the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Siegfried and Jensen, serving Utah families for over 25 years. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. 1-0, BYU taking on 1-0 Troy. This Saturday, BYU coming off that 55-3 win at Navy. Two weeks ago tonight, uh, Troy opening its season on Saturday, this past Saturday, with a 47-14 win at Middle Tennessee. And the Trojans' OC, Coach Jeff Grimes, is your former protege and good buddy, Ryan Pugh. Um, Not my good buddy this week. (laughs) You'll text after after the game. game. Yeah. Yeah. But he's somebody you're close with and have a lot of fun oh, feelings for. Of course, for. yeah. You know, yeah. He, we go back to him playing for me at, at Auburn and has, has been with me um, at, at four coaching stops along the way. And so 
Um, no one closer to me in coaching or in life probably than Ryan and, and just think the world of him and, and was sad, sad when he left here but understood why. Um, Alabama's home for him and it was a great opportunity and so, so I'm certainly hoping the best for him every week except for this one. What told you early in your relationship with Ryan that he had something special that you'd want to be associated with for years to come? Well, even when he was a player, he was really smart. His dad was a coach, so he grew up around the game of football, and and um, he's just one of, if not the smartest player that I've ever coached. And so his mind for the game really, really sharp. And then um, when he started working as my graduate assistant, just had had a maturity beyond his years and a way of relating to the players that I really thought was special. And so. Um, having the opportunity to bring him here with me when I first came two years ago was, was a really cool thing. So he wasn't here long, but what about his time here was important both for the program and for himself, do you think? I think, I think he helped set the stage for some of the things that we're even doing now, you know, with the foundation he built with a lot of, a lot of the linemen who are, who are still playing today that were young guys, freshmen back then. And so I think he helped begin um, in terms of building some of those some of those blocks that we're seeing the fruits of now. And your first two O-line coaches, younger guys, Coach Pugh and then Coach Mateos now. Yeah, and Eric's a guy who worked for me as well. He actually took Ryan's place at LSU as my grad assistant, and, and I didn't think at the time that I would be able to find anybody to replace Ryan, but he did and did just as good a job, and the, and the same has been the case here. So I've been really fortunate. Okay. Uh, when the news of the Army postponement hit, you had then two weeks to get ready for what amounts to this week's game. And we hope, uh, the hope was you'd have a full complement of players uh, at your disposal in accordance with all the COVID guidelines. Uh, how are things looking right now for, for Saturday, do you think? Um, good enough, I'll say that. <laughs> we'll have enough guys to, to suit up and play. And the guys, the guys that are healthy, um, I'm sure will be ready to play. But I think we're getting a lot of guys back. Um, today and tomorrow and even even a little bit later in the week, some of those guys. So so we'll, we'll be ready to play when game time gets here. Okay. And, and state of readiness is going to be a buzzword or buzz phrase all season long, isn't it, for you I guys? I think it is, yeah. Uh, looking at Troy, uh, what did you take out of the Saturday game uh, when assessing their defense? They got after Middle Tennessee pretty well. They did. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for that program in general. Troy has been a team that's always played well with top programs. I was at LSU. Uh, three years ago when, when they actually came to Baton Rouge and beat us there. Um, they beat Nebraska uh, not too long ago. Um, I remember a year when Clemson was ranked really high and they almost beat them. So this is the kind of program um, that expects to play against quality opponents and they come in expecting to win. And so I, I, I think they'll show up with that mindset on Saturday. Um, their game from Saturday showed showed a lot of the things that they did last year, but just a little bit more experience, and they look like a team that is now in the second year with this staff. They had a new defensive staff that came in with, with Chip when he took over two years ago as the head coach, and now this defense has played with this uh, staff in this system for a year. And there, there were some subtle changes that I see showing up um, in this past game, but I think more than anything, just, just a greater level of of confidence in what they're doing, this being the second year in their system. Okay. The home opener this Saturday will have fans in the stands. Uh, in Annapolis, no fans in the stands. Um, but you'll have 6,000 people, uh, most of them pulling for you, uh, in BYU Blue Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It'll be nice to have some kind of vibe going uh, in, uh, from, from uh, the spectators. Yeah, I think it will be. <laughs> you know, at, at Navy, a lot of people ask me, did you notice? And I noticed, I noticed in pregame and then... 
the ball kicked off and I didn't think about it again until I came out after halftime and was sitting down on the sideline looking at my call sheet and I looked up in front of me and saw nobody in the stands and thought, oh yeah, there's nobody here watching this game. Um, but I really think once you get going, you kind of forget about what's, what's, what's out there, especially when you're on the road. But I think it'll, I think it'll be cool and, and uh, a great challenge for our fans to see how loud they can get with only that number of people. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll see how, many, we'll see how much noise 6,000 fans can make. And the hope is um, that hope maybe game by game, the number doesn't stay at 6,000 if things go the way that BYU hopes they will, right? Yeah, that would be fun. So uh, at this stage of the week, it's Monday. Uh, is it going to be or feel like uh, schedule-wise a normal week? Will at least you try and have a week of normalcy that way in terms of practice routine? Yeah, I think so. Anytime you have a bye week, that the early part of that next week tends to look a little bit different. So we'll have a little bit heavier practice than what we normally would on a Monday. Um, but then we'll taper our way down like we normally would the rest of the week. All right. Best of luck against the Trojans of Troy. Uh, against uh, an OC that you're not going head-to-head against because uh, you're an offensive coach and he's an offensive coach. But uh, we hope that uh, you and, and Coach Pugh get back to being friends again after this week. I'm still going to look at it as we're going head-to-head. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, like uh, any, anything riding on the point totals this week? or just, no, There uh, should just, be. Just yeah, get there the... should be. Okay. We'll have to make sure there is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Coach. Uh, get set for kickoff of BYU versus Troy with Countdown to kickoff. That's 9 Eastern this Saturday on BYU TV. Coming up next... Special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb joining us in the coordinator's corner. We're live from the BYU Broadcasting Building. Stay with us. You are in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We start the second half hour of this week's show by welcoming back BYU's special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to see you again. Nice to see you, Greg. So two weeks since our last game, three weeks since our last show, our first and only show. So long gap. And we hope that long gaps aren't the order of the day as we keep moving. We hope that we get into some kind of a routine and this little hiccup we had hopefully is the only one. I hope so. Yeah, it's been really hard on the on the team, a real challenge to overcome. COVID measures in general have brought about a lot of isolation and challenges for our players and coaches, and, and this was another one that we had to work through these last couple of weeks. We thought we'd be together last week, not only recapping the Navy game, but looking ahead to the Army game. And then the, the Army game went away and, and kind of late notice, a week before the game. Uh, can you take us back to, to how that all went down, how you found out, and how you got the guys kind of reset after that? Um, right. Well, we, yeah, we just had a, 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 I think it was already been said, a small number of, of positive tests. And then and then that led to a lot of speculation. And, and as you can imagine, I think most people are starting to get the hang of it now. It's really not about, uh, at least for guys in this age group, a certain danger that uh, of this disease. It's not about the number being tested. It's more about the contact tracing has been the biggest challenge for us. And so not only is somebody that tests positive out of practice for about 10 days, but anyone that's been around them, whether usually the roommate is the situation, but if they've gone to dinner, if they've sat next to each other in, in a car, all of a sudden those guys are being contact traced and out, and they're out for a longer period of time. And so you know, once we found out the number of guys that were going to be declared out, then uh, it was no longer feasible to play the game. It becomes, yeah, the exposure situation is where it really tends to balloon on you as opposed to the guys who are actually affected in That's this right. case. 
Um, the, the, the Army game itself, disappearing from the schedule, uh, disappointing on uh, probably a number of levels for you guys. It is all games. And it, so once the game is on the schedule, and some of these haven't been on for very long, as opposed to games that we sometimes look forward to for months and years, and in, in some cases with scheduling, none of the games on, on our current schedule were on there for very long. Um, with, with what happened over the summer and the complete rebuilding of the schedule. But Army was one that was on there, and then we began preparing. And, of course, with a similar offensive philosophy to Navy, we, we, were, we were beginning to look at Army a couple of weeks before we normally would. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a real change of uh, momentum for our players. We saw Army on the schedule there on the monitor as a TBD. And, again, the hope is that this game gets back on your schedule at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, I know we're, I know we're working uh, like crazy at the administrative level to get it back on the schedule. I'm sure that Army is as well. Good football teams want to play good football teams, and right now it looks like that Army's a really good football team, and, and BYU would love to have the opportunity to match up against them. Yeah, both are ranked, and it would have been great to have a ranked versus ranked on CBS in that time slot that on Saturday that went by the wayside. Um, so when you hit the road for Navy, you, you had a team of tested individuals, and everyone's in the clear at that point. So how surprised were you to be dealing with this situation only a few days after getting back? Um, well, I, I can't say it was a surprise. We, we, we really feel like that we're going to have positive tests throughout the year. Mm. The, the surprise is the, sometimes it's, there's a seeming uh, ambiguity uh, with, with some of the contact tracing rules. And so what we had heard initially was with, with an airplane situation and where guys were sitting that there were going to be, we're going to have coaches and players, 50 guys out. And then that changed because there was a little more research on what the CDC is recommending and Delta Airlines. And so, mm. but it just, it, 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 the, the measures that we're under right now are, are really so challenging to understand that as a coaching staff, We've just long ago decided, okay, we have, we have experts, we have a training staff, we have a medical staff, we have an administrative level. We just have to, every day, find out who the new players are <laughs> that we can coach and motivate and coach them to the best of our ability. BYU Army, Ed, just one of many games that have been uh, postponed or, or taken off schedule since this abbreviated season began. And you, you touched on it a short time ago, but how difficult is it to be dealing kind of week-to-week -week or game-to-game, -game, not only with the uncertainties that are created, but maybe the inefficiencies and in also getting ready for your next opponent or any game? The, the biggest challenge along those lines, I'll go, I'll go back to it, is the contact tracing. We ac we've actually created a situation where the, those who are, who are traced as roommates are out 14 days, whereas those who, have, who actually have the virus are out 10 days. And so it's really been a challenge mentally for those players that don't have the virus mm. to have to completely isolate for 14 days. I would say as far as directly more of an answer to your question, as far as the new opponent or the new situation or games being postponed, all that is kind of, you know, that's, that's sports, right? And, and guys get excited about the next challenge, whatever that is. But, but isolating somebody in their, in their home that doesn't have the virus and away from their teammates, that's been a big challenge for us to work through. There has been, I would think, a lot of prep uh, not just by coaches, but support staff for games that either don't get played or are pushed back, and you got to kind of read. So there's a lot of work gotten done during this entire time that sometimes goes um, unused. Absolutely, yeah. And, and fortunately, our coaching staff doesn't see much of that. You know, we've got we've got our stuff, and some of that work that we've done gets kind of all of a sudden that's that's brushed underneath the rug, and you move on to a new, new opponent and never had the chance to play the game. But I know our our administrative staff and John Swift, our director of football operations. The logistics of traveling 
200 plus people in a travel party from, from one end of the country to the other and, and where they eat and where they stay and how they uh, transport from place to place, that's a, that's a huge uh, logistical concern and, and a lot of work go by the wayside. Coach Grimes talked about hoping to have enough of the right people in the right positions to play not only the Troy game but every game, and that's going to be your weekly challenge. How do you feel early in the Troy week right now? Um, right, right now we're good. Yeah, I think, I think as as far as this goes, I think every team, every coach, every athletic director wants to handle it the same. If it ever looks like it's not going to be appropriate to play the game, then it should be postponed ASAP. And uh, we are we are full speed ahead, excited about this week. Right. Well, uh, even though the Navy game was a full two weeks ago, uh, we on this show haven't had the chance to look back on it since we last visited, and I'm actually happy to be talking about and watching actual football plays. Uh, Coach Lamb and the entire team uh, played really well in Annapolis two weeks ago. They sure did. Yeah, I think it was a complete uh, team effort. Uh, our uh, you know, offensive and defensive coordinator, uh, head coach, all mentioned that to the team in our team meeting. Um, after the game, it, uh, it was really there was a synergistic effort going on all three phases of the game. Some great uh, coverage in the special teams, some uh, shutdown defense, and an offense that was just really, really moving the ball through the air and on the ground. And to do it in an opener in a season that's been so unusual, I think was especially gratifying. I mean, there there have been teams that didn't, didn't look as sharp as you did. Uh, absolutely, and it's a college football more than pro football is, is a game of momentum. These are young guys that get excited and they get down, and we happen to get excited early, and we're able to maintain the momentum. Looking back on the video, there's there's things we should have been, could have been better at. There were opportunities for Navy that, that for whatever reason, sometimes just luck and happenstance didn't go their way, and that was all all part of it. And it snowballed in the end into a big victory. But uh, that was a quality team, and our guys felt very good about the result that day. The defense was dominant, three points only for Navy. How would you describe the formulation of the Navy defensive game plan, particularly in terms of taking all these different coaches' backgrounds and opinions into account? I think it all starts up front. Yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of defensive coaches on our staff that have served as, as coordinators, and, and uh, so there's plenty of ideas. Really, the, the toughest job is, is Tuiaki's job because he's the one that's got to take all these ideas, and in the end, it's his name. And, and his career and, and the numbers that stick on his resume. And, and so he uh, obviously wants to use as much, um, as much experience as he can, borrow as much experience, but in the end it comes down to his personal philosophies. And for him, the game always starts up front on the D-line, and I thought that our D-line was the strength of the defense on that night. Navy's quarterback we see here, Dalen Morris, was making his first start. He is a senior, but he had to replace Malcolm Perry. Not going to be easy. There was plenty of experience back, though, and these guys have all played Navy football for some time. They might have expected to get more done, I think, with this group, even with the new quarterback. But, but Ed, BYU holds the midshipmen to their lowest rushing total in eight years. Yeah, I, I thought in, uh, hindsight's a little bit 2020 for probably for Navy, too. But, you know, with the way that they started out our game, uh, the starting quarterback struggled, but they were all struggling and, and they ended up moving on and, and didn't come back to him until the second half of this last game. Right. Um, that's one of the problems with the quarterback controversy, and I think they had a little bit of one in the offseason, is that, is that teams can tend to give up on, on either guy a little too early. Mm. And that, that may be uh, what happened, but uh, he, he showed his stuff there in the second half this week. Of course, BYU is watching the game with great interest and, and pulling for Navy, as teams often do when you match up. There's a mutual level of respect moving forward, and so it's great to see that quarterback get back in the game, lead them to a comeback victory. What an exciting game. From down 24 nothing to winning 27-24, I'm sure at halftime, like after six quarters of football, Ken's probably saying, what do I have here? 
Well, I see the game such through a lens of momentum, and I, I don't know how closely you were watching the game, but just at the end of the half, the stop uh, the- Tulane was yeah. about to score their 31st point on a touchdown. They were deep in the red zone, and Navy got an interception. And one of the things I saw was one, the, the secondary coach came sprinting off the sidelines and chest-bumping the guy who got the interception. And sometimes, it, you know, in pro football, you might say, geez, you're down 24 nothing. Why are you celebrating so hard? But college football is about amazing moments for young guys who are in a developmental stage of their life and I thought Navy took that momentum carried it through uh, after halftime and really from there it's you know they got the win the spark that lit the fire we asked uh, coach Tuiaki by the way for his defensive MVP at Navy and he couldn't pick one guy yeah. uh, he said it was basically it was a night for the entire defense to yeah. say you guys were the players of the game yeah and and yeah, I, I wouldn't take anything away from that. I agree. There's too many guys played too hard and too well and sacrificed their body and just played so courageous. But the, but it all starts with the D-line. There cannot be – you cannot have a dominant defensive performance without, without a dominant defensive line. And on that night, we had a dominant defensive line. Any of the coverages we called, any of the, uh, any of the fronts that we used, any of the mechanisms that we used – um, it all started with the D-line. And they were all working well because the D-line was winning so often. Keeping opponents off schedule is always going to be your objective every week. Uh, but against the option, if you can get the opponent into third and unfamiliar, uh, you're going to be in great shape. Navy's average third down distance to go was greater than 10 yards. Option teams, Coach Lamb, they're not designed to operate on third and long, but that's like an unheard of number. That's right. Yeah, we, as I said, we, when we went and watched the film, we felt like later we had, we had some fortune. One of the things we talked about doing was starting the game with a lot of pressure. Usually, especially in a first game, the thing that's most surprising when you face an option team is how fast they are. And so we didn't want our guys keying and reading. We wanted to play fast from the start. And so we, so we played some pressure defense early. And uh, because it was working so well, we were able to continue with it. And that's, that's why I think you see some of the strange numbers, like the number of sacks we had in a game. We've, we've played every Against option, yeah, yeah. That many sacks. Right. But, um, you know, it just, it just snowballed. And, and pressure is something that Kalani has really... Uh, emphasized and, and wants uh, uh, Coach Tuiaki to move uh, and, and center our defense around. And so and that, was a, that was just a great uh, night for some of the development of that pressure and, and the fact that it worked well early allowed us to stay with it. Yeah, pressures, TFLs, and Navy's negative plays made it a down-and-distance challenge all night long for that team. Excellent stuff. All right, t- time for a break. When we come back, Coach Lamb on the play of his special teams and his linebackers in a season-opening win at Navy as the coordinator's corner continues here on the BYU TV app. As the snap goes to Hayden Livingston, the ball is placed down, the kick is on its way, and it is through for three. Makes the score 24-0. to zero. Back on the coordinator's corner, visiting with BYU's special teams coordinator and linebackers coach Ed Lamb. This week it's BYU home opener versus Troy. First ever meeting between BYU and the Trojans out of the Sun Belt Conference. But let's uh, continue our look back at BYU's season opening 55-3 win at Navy by Looking at Coach Lamb's two main wheelhouses, we'll start with special teams. And, Coach, your place kicker was back. Uh, your punter was new. And one guy got a lot more work than the other uh, in Annapolis, but both were excellent. They were. They had great, uh, great nights. Just one, one snap for the punter, but uh, he delivered. 
and the guys got down and, and covered it well, so we had a good uh, net average on that. 56-yarder for your first um, college football uh, punt, is that's, that's a really good start for Ryan. And so, those were all air yards, by the way, too. That those was... were all, all air yards, and so yeah. we, we want to work. And normally you think anytime you get a four-second hang time, that's going to be good, but he actually has the leg where four seconds sometimes is not quite enough. So we gave up a couple of yards here, but overall I think it was still a net 44 or, or something in that area, which is really, really a uh, good punt. And you don't think that kick's going to be an anomaly for him? That's kind of who he is, right? Well, I, I think, yeah, he, he he will see more of those. Yeah, but I, I think any time a guy's got a, a leg that big, they're, they're not always going to come off just perfect. And that one spiraled and turned over. And so the aerodynamics of a, a right-footed punter is it trails long and right mm. um, af, on a punt like that. He might have wanted to show off more of his leg on that night, but you'll take one punt a game. He, he had a, a big <laughs> smile as anyone after the game. He under, understands that it's a lot more fun to play that way, and he, he was excited about the victory for the teammates. And Jake Oldroyd, uh, perfect on everything he did. He right? was. Yep, yeah, and he did, a, he did a really tremendous job on the kickoffs. And that's always dangerous when you're, when you're kind of mounting scores on offense and getting stops on defense. Then the, the, there's more and more pressure on the kickoff team because you're kicking off more and more often, and that's one way that an opponent can quickly get back in a game. It was a touchback night for you guys, though. We got touchbacks, and, and Jake was able to do that at sea level. We don't, uh, we don't always do that schematically. We don't always ask for that. Right. But in the case of, of mounting scores and guys are playing a lot and getting excited, then we said, well, okay, unleash it and see what we can do here. And then, of course, uh, the game gets to the point where you just want to allow guys to, to go and do what they do, and he felt good that night. Yeah, ton of touchbacks. Uh, you debuted a new kickoff returner in Caleb Christensen. He returned two kickoffs for 38 yards. Not a name too familiar to a lot of BYU fans. So uh, what can you tell us about him? And then uh, what do you do having now lost uh, Jackson McChesney as kind of his uh, traveling partner back there? So uh, so mixed results for Caleb in the first game uh, as a kickoff returner. The thing we love and the reason he'll still do it is he is courageous and fast, and he really wants to hit it. That is his pride and joy. He had six returns for touchdowns in high school. Uh, that's an absurd number of, of kickoff returns for touchdowns. He, um, but we, we didn't make good decisions on, on returning on that night, and sometimes that happens. We, we actually made a bad decision in the punt return game as well. Too much hang time, too short of a punt. And sometimes returners, when the game's not on the line, they'll try to just make, make plays. And um, you know, If they're going to do it at a critical time and make a mistake in judgment, I guess with a 30- or 40-point lead is a good time to do it. But we have to reel that back in and make sure that we're on point. We make good decisions as uh, kickoff returners and punt returners. Uh, you were using Jackson back there. What do you do now? Uh, Miles Davis is, is one that's shown a lot of ability back there. Uh, Dax Milne is another one that we like. And then, you know, any of the running backs, Lopini Katoa has done it, Tyler Algier has done it. And so we feel like any of those guys would be good options for us. But Caleb will still be maybe your funnel guy, the guy you'll still look to yes. do a lot of that? Okay. Yes. Uh, who did you select then for your special teams player of the week from the Navy game? The player of the week was, uh, was Jake Oldroyd overall for the special teams. And as you said, he was perfect on the night with PAT's field goals. Did a great job on his uh, kickoffs, 8 out of 10 touchbacks. He, um, the, we also give out a top rock and top block awards on the special team. And Kavika Fanua and, and uh, Morgan Piper, um, Lopini Katoa and Chaz Ayu, they, they received those awards for great play in either the return games or the coverage games. And uh, Morgan, since you bring his name up, got in the stat sheet with a fumble recovery later in the game, too. Yes, he did. Yeah, great, great moment for him. He's worked his way up the depth chart from a walk-on position. He's playing a valuable role. He's a real contributor. Okay, uh, you are the linebackers coach as well. It was a big night for the backers at Navy, led by the starting quartet, and it was a quartet opening up for you. Kafusi, Tanovasa, Peely, and Wilgar. 
and those guys played fantastic. And you know, normally our plan in games is as drives go along, we want to keep our guys fresh, and, and we felt like we had a good two deep ready to go. These guys ended up playing, I think, every snap of the first half, and, and quite a few in the third quarter too before they gave way. And that was just because they weren't allowing long drives. They were getting off the field themselves. They played fresh. They played hard. They got off blocks. They tackled well. They tackled violently. It was really. Option football, we said it all week in the linebacker room. That's that's roughneck football. You got to be a roughneck to be on an option offense, and you got to be a roughneck to have any chance to stop it on defense. And, and I thought our guys uh, rose to the occasion. After BYU's only turnover of the night, that kind of fluky pick that Zach throws early. The very next sequence, though, uh, your backers were a big part of a, of a negative play that kept Navy out of scoring territory on that ensuing drive. And and I think that started, um, you know, a couple of days before where our both. Um, our, our defensive coordinator, uh, Tuyaki, and, and then Kalani as well, we, we explained to the whole team that we uh, feel like we can be a very aggressive offensive football team. And sometimes that, uh, sometimes you're not going to complete 100% of fourth down conversions. You're not going to complete 100% of your passes, never throw interceptions. But we don't want to be scared to be aggressive in the offensive part of the game. A complementary defense that gets excited about uh, maybe minimizing a poor field position um, defensive possession into a field goal or a stop in, in that situation. That's the kind of defensive mentality we have to have. And so I thought we were really well prepared in that moment. The defense took the field with a lot of fire and energy, and, and it was like passing the field, like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, we got you, keep going. And, of course, you know, how well the offense started, I thought, uh, in turn, inspired the defense to be that well that uh, as well. Quickly before the break, Ed, uh, Pepe hobbled off at Navy uh, 19 days between games, probably helps him as much as anybody. How's he coming along? He's in great shape right now. Yep, ready okay. to go. Good. All right, uh, time again for a break. And as we step away, we remind you that for your daily Cougar sports play-by-play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time on BYU TV. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, we preview Saturday's home opener with Troy. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Again, option right. Oh, loss on the play. The ball is loose, and BYU falls on it. Fumble recovered by the Cougars. The recovery by Morgan Piper. This Saturday, 1-0 BYU visiting, or rather hosting, 1-0 Troy. First ever meeting between these two programs, but uh, there's some familiarity. Former BYU offensive line coach Ryan Pugh is the second-year OC at Troy. Uh, last season's Troy off- offense uh, coach uh, line was very potent, and they racked up a lot of points and yards at Middle Tennessee on the weekend. They sure did. Yeah, they've got, in some ways, very much like the challenge at Navy, uh, a completely different style of offense, but this is a team that has an identity, an offensive coordinator, a coaching staff, a team that has an identity. They're going to get the right players and plug them into the right positions. They're not an offense of the week trying to figure out what works this week. They have a lot of confidence in what they do, and it'll be really a test of wills. Are you the kind of guy that watches your next opponent live when they're playing live on ESPN as they were on Saturday afternoon, or will you just watch it all later? Uh, love to watch it live. Did you watch Saturday's game? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I watched it with great interest. And then, um, and then, of course, the, the television copy only shows about 15 or 16 players on every snap. So the, we've got to have the coaches copy and be able to rewind and, and make our charts and graphics and all the things that help us come up with a game plan. Among the things I was impressed with was um, how many running backs they rotated through that got stuff done for them on Saturday. 
They did, yeah. Credit the offensive line with that and credit the, the quarterback and receivers. I think they feel like, and I would agree, the strength of their team is, is their skill positions. They're running their, uh, their wide receivers and their running backs. A quarterback that knows how to get the ball out, and, and uh, he was getting it to the right guys. He knows who his playmakers are, and I thought the, the passing game really opened up stuff for the running game. Offensive line that blocks really hard gets after it. In contrast to the game at Navy, there will be people in the stands this Saturday. Uh, 6,000 fans will be welcomed into Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I guess we'll see how much uh, noise 6,000 people can create in that building on Saturday night. Yeah, well, a challenge to those fans, I guess, uh, uh, to bring a home environment for us, a home crowd environment. I think once the game starts, there's probably not a lot of players on the field that are paying attention to that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We're learning as we go this season with stuff like that. With pretty much everything. And we hope that as the season goes along, maybe that 6,000 number ticks up as, as hopefully uh, conditions warrant. I sure do, yeah. That's one of the most exciting things about being at BYU as a player and as a coach is just you know, running into the Lavelle Edwards Stadium and, and hearing that crowd, seeing the passion that BYU fans bring. And, well, and not just at home. Uh, one of the more exciting things as a coach now that I've noticed more is playing on the road and seeing all those people. Coach Lamb, good to be with you again. Hey, good luck this weekend. That'll do it for another edition of the Coordinator's Corner. We're back with you next Monday, 1 Eastern, on the BYU TV app. For Coaches Lamb and Grimes, I'm Greg Rubel. So long. Go Cougs.